Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I have been really excited to to come down here and preach this message because I do feel like the timing of this message, ending one series, that'll preach, really great, and moving into a new series, I actually felt like this message bridged both. And so um, I didn't want to just come in with something new that wasn't exactly what I felt like this this campus and needed. And so um, I'm going to be preaching a message that I believe is for right now and for this series, which we're in called Save My City. How many want to see East Lake saved? Come on, South Region saved. And so, uh, and so this is all about, obviously, as we get into this series, it's kind of uprooting the strongholds, it's tearing down all the things. But I believe that there are multiple facets to winning a city, to saving a city. And I believe that a life that is flourishing is a massive key to that. We believe as a church that God wants you to flourish, that God wants your life to be like the righteous spiraling upward. And so today we're going to be talking about that. But um, because I've kind of bridged this between two series, we do have a video clip. So we're going to hang in that series one more week and we're going to show a quick video clip. Wave their walk in the woods. Suddenly, who do you suppose that is? Quiet little Goldilocks, of course. of a throwback, huh? Anybody remember that? I mean, shoot, I don't even know when that was filmed, but they, uh, they have a more recent one, but I was like, no, nah, we got to use the OG. We got to use the OG. Um, I believe that that is a, a bit of a prophetic message of what the devil has tried to sow into every single generation since Adam and Eve. And that is this thought, this belief, this possibility of having a Christian life be just right. That we can live just right, that I can be comfortable and casual about my Christianity. And unfortunately, I've just never seen that in the Bible. Unfortunately, I did see it growing up. Um, Like I said, Catholic and Jewish, I saw other Christians living this just right lifestyle and it never attracted me to church. I never responded to one invite to anybody um, that was living a casual Christianity. And I believe it's actually impossible to see a city saved within our responsibility, the things God's entrusted to us if we have a just right lifestyle. In other words, oh, if it's too hot, throw it out. 
If it's too cold, throw it out. If it's a little uncomfortable being in church and, and hearing something about how we should be tithing and giving and honoring and trusting God with our finances or how, you know, uh, you know, premarital sex is actually not God's best for you. And how it's actually, there's a better way. There is God's way. And we are meant to live a life that is not just right now. Obviously, this is not for anybody in this room. This is for all of our friends that are not here today. You guys are well beyond this, but this is going to be for our friends. So just make sure to take some notes for them. We'll podcast it later. But it's this idea that I believe, you know, Disney has used and I believe um, Hollywood and, and social media has used where it's like, hey, make your life as comfortable and as about you, self-focused, self-oriented as possible. And the whole, you know, living the Jesus thing full on is kind of just for pastors or just for leaders. And, uh, and thankfully for Awakened Church, that's not what we see at all. We see from the front to the back, from the top to the bottom. Every single person choosing, hey, I want to live for Jesus fully. I want to live. I want to follow him. I don't just want to meet and greet gospel. I want to follow Jesus gospel. And, uh, and that's the only life that, that God has that will see you flourish. And, uh, and I can tell you that this whole follow your heart or as my, you know, former, you know, very uh, exciting friend BK, Burger King, um, would say, have it your way. Have it your way. You can't actually even have it your way at Burger King because if you go there and they don't have chicken fries, which are your favorite meal, fast food meal, I shouldn't say favorite meal, then you can't actually have it your way. You can have it not your way. And uh, so I'm probably going to try and get some uh, chicken fries after this and the name of Jesus, they will have them. It's like a 50-50 shot. They're always out. So... But I've, yeah, who's eating all the chicken fries? I don't know. Someone's eating the chicken fries and it's every time I go. So, uh, what, <laughs> but what I've found, because I've followed this, I, I, as Pastor Mike said, I got saved seven years ago in this church. I walked in the doors, a total mess, a total dysfunctional, like if you were to grade my life, you know, finances, relationships, et cetera, et cetera, one out of 10 on all of them. I was, I was a mess. Um, but I had followed the wisdom of the world, which said, live for yourself, live just right. Make everything about making yourself as comfortable as possible. If something doesn't sit well with you, then you know what? Just throw it out. And I found no life in that. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its way ends in death. And that is the way of the world. It's a way that seems right. It looks right. Yeah, I should just, you know, I should probably conserve money instead of give. I probably should, instead of, I'm so busy, I need to focus on my life. I probably don't have time to serve or go to a connect group. I probably shouldn't do that. It seems right, but it's way ends in death. You see, I found that the Disney dream or the just right lifestyle is actually not God's best for us. His best for us is a life that is flourishing, a way that spirals upward, or what I would call the 100x life, which is the title of this message today is the 100x life, not the 10x life. That's the devil's counterfeit. He wants to sell us a 10x life that doesn't even work. It'd be like going to the Padres game and thought you got 10th row tickets. You go and check in and realize, wow, these were counterfeits and I can't even get in. And yet there's so many people that have bought the devil's lie of a 10x life and it's all about them and it's all about how they can, and it's, and it's actually, they can't even get in the game, but they don't realize it till the end of their life and they're pretty disappointed. And so what we're going to be talking about is the 100x life, the life of the believer, because it's actually meant to be for all of us, not just pastors, not just leaders. So what does this 100x look like? 
it looks like Psalm 92, 13. Those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. Bible talks about Jesus not hiding a lamp, but actually setting it on top so that everyone can see it. The 100X life is the gift that we get to give God because Jesus came and saved us. We respond to that in a couple different ways. I think the best way we can respond is say, hey, Jesus, I know that while I'm here on earth is the only time I'm ever gonna have to give you a gift. And it's not working for love. Jesus said, hey, it's done, it's sealed, it's delivered. Your gift is salvation. You're not working for it. I'm working from love. I'm saying, God, if you gave me that great gift, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life. Because once I get to heaven, it's over. (laughs) The deal's done. There's nothing I can do for God in heaven. But while I'm on earth, I could attach myself to his purpose, to his mission, to the thing that he cares about most, which is reuniting his sons and daughters with him. And so when I got saved, I chose, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give myself fully to this because I was pretty much dead in my own life anyway. If you gave me new life, if you can actually promise me joy and peace and purpose and all the, yeah, I'll give you everything. And, uh, and so that's what I did. And I feel like I have lived and am living a hundred X life and it hasn't come without a cost, but I can promise you what I've gotten back. And Pastor Jurgen says it all the time. We always think that we're giving up a lot for God. And then we realize, wow, I pretty much shortchanged him every single time with what I got in return. And so what does it look like scripturally? The Bible is a good place to start. God actually wants us to enjoy our life on purpose. John 10, 10 says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So God's actually not the party ruiner. It's the devil. The devil wants to tell you he's throwing the best party. He's not. He turns on the thermostat and it never turns off, cranks it up. It's kind of a joke. We'll get to it later. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and life abundant. Jesus throws the best parties guaranteed every single time. And you don't have a hangover the next day, they won't go away. Matthew 5, 16 says this, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. 1 Corinthians six twenty says, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Colossians three seventeen says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the father through him. John 15, eight, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. John 17, four, I have glorified you on earth, Jesus talking. I have finished the work you've given me to do. In other words, how do we glorify Jesus? We give, we finish the work he's given us to do. He's given us purpose. He's given us mission, build the church and worship him. And we will see him glorified in our lives. Um, and then lastly, Psalm 92, 13, those who are planted, their lives will flourish. So it's not just about purpose, mission, it's about life and enjoying the best that it has to offer. So with these two perspectives now, we've got God's way, we've got the devil's way. Obviously everyone in here, we're choosing God's way, no problem, not even a question. But once we choose that, we have an opportunity to decide how we will actually approach the 100X life. How will we approach the gospel? How will we re- approach Jesus and his way of, of living and his way of following him? And I believe we have a few choices. And C.S. Lewis says it like this. Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. And Jesus, I believe, talks about these in a parable called the parable of the sower. He says it's the most important parable he will teach. And if we don't understand this parable, we won't understand 
anything. So we're going to take a look at this parable because all of us want to live as if Christianity is true and has infinite importance. And if it has infinite importance, that it should change our life. So Matthew 13, 1 to 23. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got in a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was there, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground. Someone say good ground. And yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirtyfold. He who has ears to hear is let him hear. So that's the hundred X life. Verse 18, we're gonna jump to. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he receives the seed by the wayside. But he received the seed on stony places. This is who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, cares of the world, and deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears and produces fruit. Some 100, some 60, some 30. And so we're gonna look at the three possible ways we could approach this truth, this gospel, this 100x life, so that we can actually have 100x life. So the first thing we need to do is actually to choose to care what God thinks. That's step one. <laughs> it's a good starting point. <laughs> if you don't care what God thinks, this is, this is a step, which wouldn't be anybody here. This is for our friends. Um, so just write this down. They should choose to care what God thinks. This might be the first place that they find themselves today, and it's the rocks. It's the stony, but it's the wayside. The seed that falls on the wayside is someone who hears about God, someone who hears about his kingdom, but they don't care to understand. And I would say that it's either, you know, because the Bible says they don't understand. I would even say it's, it's those who don't care to understand because I heard about God growing up. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Catholic and Jewish heard about God. Now I heard about a lot of different things about God being in those two different environments, massively confusing in case anyone was wondering if they should try it out. You shouldn't, shouldn't try that out with your kids. Um, because, uh, I went to Catholic mass on a Sunday and then I went to synagogue on a Friday and I would be at Hebrew school on a Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, if you want to teach a kid that, you know, God is kind of unsure of himself, that's what you should do. And so I would go to Catholic Mass and, you know, because who is Jesus? What is, what is this kingdom about? I would go to Catholic Mass and to be honest, I have no idea what they believe because I would fall asleep within 12, 13, 14 minutes probably. Any recovering Catholics in here maybe? Okay, just a few. Wow. God bless all of you. It's a miracle we're here. And so I would fall asleep, but then when I would wake up, I would look up and I would see Jesus on the cross dead. And there was no life, no miracles, no power in the room. And so I thought, wow, God must be dead. And then I'd go to synagogue on the Friday and uh, they'd say, Jesus, oh, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, 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 Jesus. You know, not the Messiah. Definitely not. Good teacher, good prophet, good, good example, good leader, not the Messiah. He's coming later. He's coming later. And so 
up until I was nine years old, that was my life. And then I lost my dad at nine years old, suddenly out of nowhere. And where I didn't have an anchor or a depth in God, I had no root in God. I just suddenly decided, you know what? If God is either dead or he's apathetic because he doesn't care, there's no way that a good God who they say he is would allow something like this to happen to me. And so I rejected God and I acted like it didn't matter. And so I started to live like that. And I started to follow the world's advice, which is to live my life just right. Don't, don't worry about what synagogue says. Don't worry about what the Old Testament says. Don't worry about what they say in Catholic mass, even if you were listening. Don't worry about any of that. Just do what's comfortable for you. So I tried to 10X my life all by myself. And guess what? When you try and do that without God, you find yourself breaking yourself against every truth that is in the kingdom. Now, I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that me sleeping around before marriage would actually lead to more dysfunction, not joy and happiness and fulfillment, all the things I thought would happen. I didn't think that trying to use drugs and trying to drink too much to party and fit in would actually leave me more isolated and more depressed and more anxious. I didn't realize that trying to find significance in the kind of money I was flashing around to people in the cars I drove and all the things I would buy for myself and other people, I didn't realize that that would actually leave me feeling less significant and not more significant. But that's what happened. When you try and 10X your life by yourself, you find yourself spiraling downward, not upward, like the way of the righteous. And so as I rebelled, thankfully, I came to the end of myself. And I find that sometimes God waits till we come to the end of ourselves because he knows we'll actually start to care. So if you're in this room or for our friends that you know maybe don't care yet, I would encourage you, don't wait till you get to the bottom. Start caring now. Even if life's great, start caring now because I promise you, nothing will anchor you into hope, into peace, into joy, into faith, into love like Jesus would. And it's funny looking back because everything I thought I would find in the world, I never did. They're all empty promises, but everything I thought I would never find in Christ is what I found. And that was life and life to the full. Because life without God is not life at all, it's a slow death. And giving up my way of living to be in Christ, even though it costs me something significant my whole life, what I've received on the other side, I cannot explain in words, but it is the life that is flourishing. And so that's the first step, is to care what God thinks. It's a good first step. Second step, once you start caring what God thinks, we have to choose to surrender all, which is always beyond our comfort level, just in case you didn't know. The second place we might find ourselves, in my opinion, is actually the most dangerous place we could be. C.S. Lewis defined it as where you believe that Christianity is of moderate importance. Not of no importance, that's the first one. It's actually of moderate importance, in my mind, is the most dangerous place you could be, and that's the stones and the thorns. It represents a self-orientation. It's a, it's a, it's a basically a version of deception where we think life's all about me and it's all about my way and it's all about my thing. Um, or it's caring about riches, the deceitfulness of all these things. And thankfully that's why we talk about tithing every week. We talk about giving every week. We're like, Hey, you're not going to sit here in our church and not have a way for you to exchange what the world is saying about money and what God says about money so that you don't have a stronghold in your life of greed, but you actually remain generous and God's treasure becomes your treasure. And so 
the, uh, the, the self-orientation can look like a lot of things, but the way that it, I find that it most represents itself is in uh, what's called like Christian Buddhism. It's kind of a phenomenon happening right now where you have people who say that they're Christians, but you find out how they're living or what they actually believe about God, and it's like a facelift. Like It's like Jesus on my profile, I follow Jesus, but my life and the decisions I make and what I actually even believe about God is nothing like that. It's, they've made a God in their own image. If, if our lives and how we make decisions doesn't, well, this is more tricky than I thought, doesn't reflect this, it's not Christianity. Now, it doesn't mean we have to be perfect by any means. None of us are, fall short every day, but it means I am choosing to surrender my way of thinking to what this Bible says because I believe God and his truth and his word. And so surrendering all means surrendering my way of thinking for his way of thinking. Romans 2.29 says it like this. It says, a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. Christianity is about a changed heart. So how do I know if I'm a Christian? I seek praise from God, not from people. Audience of one versus everybody else. Now, it doesn't mean we shouldn't care about how we look and how we dress. God says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So as we're trying to influence and live a 100x life that can win cities and flip cities and take territory, we should actually be aware of what we look like, of what we smell like, of all the things that actually the world is looking at because God says that we should be a light and salt. We should add, not take. Um, And so... Matthew 16, 24 to 26, gives us a little better idea of what the surrender process looks like. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Seems a little backwards, but whoever desires, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? I tried it, it's true. No profit, negative profit. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Luke 14, 25 to 27, it's going to get intense for a second, okay? Just hang with me. Now, great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father or mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross come after me cannot be my disciple. Okay, I'm going to give a little context. Surprise, Jesus doesn't want you to hate your family. 1 John 3:15 says this, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Okay, Jesus, I know you're not schizophrenic, but I'm a little confused here. He's not saying that you should hate or you should love. He's saying you should love your family. You should love the people you're with. But when it comes to what position or what opinion or whose word holds the ultimate authority in your life, there cannot be any other authority than Jesus. There cannot be any authority than the word of God. And that's why I'm thankful for pastors in Pastor Jurgen Land that said, I don't care what government said. I don't care what Newsom said. I don't care if they say we're going to come arrest you in 2020, 2021 for opening your doors. We obey God. We do not have to obey men if they are in contradiction with one another. We have great examples of this. And then here's, you know, the last semi-intense portion here. Revelation 3, 15 to 16, this is Jesus talking at the end. He says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. And he's not referring to porridge. He's referring, referring to Christians and our hearts. He said, I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm or just right and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Not my words, his words. And to be honest, that's how I feel about oatmeal, which I think is porridge, same thing. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Not a big fan, even with brown sugar. It's just not. 
not the vibe. Even, <laughs> and what, what I found too is even just right, that living of just right becomes cold eventually. If little Goldilocks would have let that porridge sit that was just right, it would have become cold. And if she wanted it just right again or just hot, she'd have to reheat it constantly. And remember, this is for your friends, but if we find ourselves constantly having to reheat, constantly having to replant, constantly in and out of church, constantly in and out of connect group, constantly, oh, I'm, I just, I don't have time to serve. If we find ourselves constantly replanting, there is no way we can expect to bear fruit that lasts. And therefore, we can't be a light to those around us. And growing up, this is all I saw. I saw Christians who were basically living as if the gospel was moderately important. And they would have, you know, cross around their neck, Jesus in their bio. They told me I was stupid and blasphemous for being a Catholic Jew, which I agree. I mean, it wasn't right. But <laughs> at the same time, uh, you and I are going to the same parties, bud. Hey, you and I are uh, sleeping around just as much, bud. Hey, we are smoking the same drugs right now, bud. Um, I know I'm crazy, but I think you're crazy because if you really believe what you say you believe, it doesn't show. And it's actually pushing me farther and farther away from this gospel that you're meant to live and demonstrate and be a light for. And uh, I'm thankful that I had a high school football coach that was the first person I ever saw that was a Christian that wasn't perfect and was not perfect but he modeled a life that actually lived as if he believed the gospel. And it was the seed that was planted that then four years later led to me actually accepting an invitation to come to church at the end of myself when I was 22 years old. And the beautiful thing is, as we can take inventory today for our friends, if our lives look like the world, smell like the world, taste like the world, they probably are of the world. And we can take our step to be out of just right and into too hot, which is the last point of today's message is choose to be too hot, which is surrendering all. The final heart posture in my mind is the only one that we can actually live in as believers and it's the posture of too hot. It's the good soil that Matthew 13, 23 talks about. John Wesley says it like this, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Hebrews 1.7 says he makes his servants flames of fire. And what does that look like? It's not like shouting down the preacher, even though that's good. It's not just serving on a team. It's not mechanics. You see, all the things that we do, serving on a team, tithing, being in a connect group, like being in relationship and community, coming to cherish, going to emerge, all these things, they're not just mechanics. They're stem from one thing, Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things, and all these things will be added to you. See, I lived the opposite most of my life. Seek first all of these things and hope that joy, hope that peace, hope that purpose, hope that all of these things would be added unto me, and they never did. And yet God's just saying, hey, just seek me. Seek my way of doing things. Because not just seek first the kingdom, not just seek first God, I found. It's seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing things. It's not just, just oh, I, me and Jesus have a great relationship. Me and Jesus, just me and, you know, God told me. It's, and there is, there is communing with God, but he actually designed us to be in, in community, on purpose, serving his kingdom. And that's why, honestly, Awaken is so unique and so beautiful because you come into a place where everyone has, and the leaders have really surrendered all. And leaders, I'm not just talking about people on the platform, I'm talking about the people that have 
paved the way and lived the gospel to where their lives are hundred Xing. I got invited by a guy whose life was hundred Xing and he never was on a platform. He was in the marketplace. He was a pathfinder and his life was flourishing. He was in business with all of us, but he was not going to the same parties we were. He was a family man, loved his family and led from a place of actually functioning. And I was like, wow, that's more than I've ever seen. I'm going to come find out what you got. And that's the beautiful thing. People can see light. They can see hope. They can see faith. They can see an opportunity for them to actually live a different life. And I remember when I first came, I had that surrender moment. I came and raised my hand, came down on the altar, prayed a prayer, and then said, what next? And uh, what next turned into a lot of uncomfortable moments because my life was literally a contradiction of the gospel. Yet it was designed for the gospel. My life was engineered by God to be in alignment with everything that he puts in his word. This word was not too far out of reach for me, but I needed to see a model. I needed to see a way. I needed to see how this could be lived out. And that's where, you know, the beautiful Pastor Mike and Katie showed me how to actually do relationships, right? I didn't need one-on-one coffees with Pastor Mike to figure this out. I went and I, you know, was in a group environment where we were teaching. I was on a platform like this and they were talking about relationships. And I'm like, wow. So you can actually you know, be in relation with somebody and not have sex before marriage. Seems crazy. I don't know if I believe it, but there's fruit. And I've never seen fruit in relationship like I've seen with them. So guess what? I'm going to try that. I'm going to commit to that. And then hearing, wow, you, uh, you know, pornography is actually not a good thing. It's actually really, really dysfunctional and painful and hurts not only myself, but other people. And my wife that I want to become ready for, because now I'm waiting for marriage. Let's go. (laughs) That won't, that, that's not tolerable. God has better for me. So I got into men's prayer circle the next Tuesday and I said, hey, guys, Pastor Michael Hundley from East Campus wasn't a pastor yet and he was in my group. And I said, hey, I need, I need this broken off of me. And I said, okay, and they prayed. And from that day, things started to shift because I started to take my Christianese mask off. I started to take this thing of, I'm worried what people will think of me. I don't care what people think of me. I need some change. I need some life. I need some things to start flipping upside down. I got in a connect group and said, hey, my life is an open book. You teach me how to live. I didn't need a pastor to do that. While I'm listening to the pastors on stage, I got in a connect group and saw a connect leader who was quite a few steps ahead of me, maybe even just a year ahead of me, but they were enough ahead of me where they could say, hey, change this, do this, read like this This is what the Bible says when it's like this, but be real with me. Not everything's fine, everything's great. No, I'm actually, and, and I'm still in a connect group to this day. And it's the healthiest thing that we can do as a church is be in community. No matter how busy your life is, find a way to be in community and be real. Tithing, giving, being involved in team. It's not just because we need to put team on because at the end of the day, Jesus is gonna build his church, but it's an opportunity for us to encounter passion and purpose like we never have before and be part of something that's bigger than ourselves. Because one day we will get to heaven and we'll realize there's nothing else we can do. And I don't want to get there and realize I had some left in the tank. And I know that nobody here would want the same thing. I found that God will revive everything I lay down, but I do have to lay it down. And it might hurt for a moment, but it's worth an eternity of fulfillment. And so if we could have everyone bow your heads, close your eyes, we're going to close here. In a moment of reflection, I would love for everyone just to imagine, just for a moment, maybe you are in one of these camps. Maybe you're not in the too hot just yet, and you're maybe either not even in the realm of believing, maybe today you're gonna say, I'm gonna choose to care what God thinks. 
Or maybe today, you're kind of halfway in, halfway out. And you're unsure of which direction to go, but you're saying, you know what? I've tried living outside of the living waters of Jesus and it's not worth it. I wanna go all in and I wanna trust him in a way that I never have before, but it's gonna cost you. Some of you are gonna have to surrender the way that you do relationships. Some of you are gonna have to surrender the way that you think about money. Some of you are gonna have to surrender your version of what you want Jesus to be, to say, Jesus, whoever you say that you are, whoever you have revealed yourself to be, I will serve, I will follow, and I will trust. So on the count of three, I'm gonna ask, wherever you're at today, if you wanna say, like I did seven years ago, I need to respond to this good news that Jesus, you died for me, you died for my sins, and you came to give me life. There is a heaven and there is a hell, and how we respond to Jesus in this life will determine how we spend the next one. Or maybe you once walked with Jesus, you once even followed him, but maybe you walked away, fell away, ran away, and you're here today and you're saying, I need to come back to you, Jesus, today. I'm ready to follow you again. On the count of three, if you could just lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for. One, friend, God loves you. Two, I promise you'll never be the same. Three, if you could just lift your hand wherever you're at so I know who I'm praying for. Beautiful, I see that hand in the back. Beautiful, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful, I see those hands here. Beautiful, I see your hand. Thank you, sir. If your heart's racing a million miles an hour and you kind of wish I would shut up, that might be your key to raising your hand. It doesn't get you into heaven, but it does help me know who I'm praying for. Is there anybody else like that today? I'll wait 10 more seconds. Someone waited 10 seconds for me. Is there just one more person? Beautiful, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Amazing, amazing. If we could all stand to our feet. We're coming to a close here. I wanna make sure that we take a moment to celebrate, to pray with, to encourage those people that did lift their hands, that did respond. And so I would love if there were, there were a few too many of you for me to be able to pray with individually, because um, I do want to pray with you, and I did promise that. But what I want to do is actually invite some of you. I haven't figured out how to fly around yet. I don't have wings. I haven't, I haven't quite landed that yet. There might be something I could attach to here, though. This looks like it has capability for that. But since we didn't plan for that, I would love to pray with each and every one of you that responded. And so if you're standing next to someone that raised their hand, I want you to do something really brave. I want you to smile at them and say, hey, I saw you raise your hand. I want you to come down to the front and pray with them. If you are standing next to someone that you thought, raise their hand. Just smile and say, hey, I think you raised your hand. You want to come down? And if you raise your hand, smile at yourself and say, I'm going to come down and bring somebody with you. So the worship team is going to play. Come on, if you, if you raise your hand, I want you to come down. I want to meet you. Come on, the church is gonna celebrate as you come down. I see you guys coming down. Come on down, I wanna meet you. Wow. Beautiful, beautiful. Come on, sometimes if you stay in your seat, you're gonna stay the same. Some of you gotta get out of your seat if you wanna see some things shift. I'm still here. This is a high jump. I think I'd hurt myself. 
I'm so proud of each and every one of you that came down and I know that God's even ministering right now. He's, he's healing some of you. And, uh, and, and it's okay to, to be a little emotional. I remember when I came down for the first time, I remember crying and I don't know why I was crying, but I didn't realize it's because the King of Kings, the one who made me, I finally yielded to him and everything was about to change. Everything is about to change. I'm so proud of all of you. So we're gonna, we're gonna say a prayer here in a moment. We're gonna say it all together as a church because we've all prayed this before. But if you're sitting here today and you are in front of me, I want you to say with all of your heart, all of your strength, all of your might, this is a prayer that's gonna invite Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the one who made you to come into your life and begin to give him access to every part of you. And you're gonna see everything change. So let's all say this together and then I'm gonna hand back to Pastor Mike. Dear Jesus, thank you going to the cross and dying for my sins. I turn away from my old life and instead I choose to follow you. I will worship you all the way for the rest of my life. And I declare that you are my savior and that you are my Lord. I give you access to every part of me. Search my heart and know me. Heal me and restore me and awaken me to your purpose in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these incredible people that just made that decision. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.